Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Kaveh. I'm Lizzie. Today we are joined by two guests. This is very exciting. We have Sophie Lichterman, executive producer extraordinaire. Sophie, thank you so much for joining us. I- I'm so excited. And we're, we're excited to have you to help us grill our other guest, Dr. Zachary Rubin, pediatric allergist and immunologist. Dr. Rubin, thank you so much for joining us today on the show. My gosh, thank you for having me. This is going to be a lot of fun. I, I don't know. Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> how many of the how many of you guys have allergies? Raise your hands. Just kidding. It's a podcast, but do you guys have you have Sophie? Me, very much Kavi? so. Yeah. I I should live in a bubble. I'm allergic to inside and outside. <laughs> I've had allergies since I was 10. I've, I told, I told Kaveh, I said, one of my, I'm like, one of my longest standing relationships is with my allergist, Dr. Ricardo Tan. He's oh. the best. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I do too. I have, I have really bad allergies. I, I, I want to share a quick story. I'm glad you're you here, do. Zachary, because um, my last encounter with an allergist was not ideal. I, I had developed really bad allergies when I was in fellowship and my like nose was just pouring out like stuff. It was ridiculous. And I went to see an allergist um, and she was pretty dismissive. Like the whole time she was like, uh-huh, yeah, okay. And I'm like, well, can I get skin tested? And she was kind of not for it and I kind of convinced her to do it. And I remember they did a skin test on my back, all these little pricks on my back. And then she walks out of the room and she comes back like 10 minutes later, whatever. And she was like, oh, wow, you really do have allergies. I'm like, why would I lie about that? (laughs) 
I'm sorry to hear that. I mean, I can't speak for all the other allergists out there. You know, there's only about 7,000 of us in the United States. <laughs> really? that Actually, that's surprising. Wow. There's not a lot. You know, it's about one per 50,000 individuals in the United States. So depending on where you live, it may take you three, four hours just to find one. Or there might be one just down the street if you live in New York or LA. So it just depends on where you're at. And we're one of these fields that used to border on pseudoscience many years ago. This was like well before our time. But as we've learned more and more about the immune system, we've really been able to take a lot of leaps forward in order to help people out with allergies. You know, all of us in this room experience symptoms on a regular basis, especially now because tree pollen is out in full force. If you're, you're on Twitter, there are people complaining about nasty histamine release. So there's 50 million Americans with allergies. What do you mean by pseudoscience? Like Kaveh and I as GI docs have a lot of patients who are saying, you know, I have so much bloating and discomfort in my belly. I'm sure I have allergies. And, and it, it's not the same thing. So maybe you could explain kind of food intolerance versus allergies and, and maybe some of the history about like, why is it pseudoscience? You're just saying because people were, were guessing and saying like, you know, it's your, you know, people were like hate cats and they're like, oh, it's your nasty, evil cat that's doing it so that your, your significant other <laughs> would get rid of their cats. Is that like they were using it as like a, you know, scapegoat? Right. So for many years, it was hard to figure out what is that actual immune mechanism or, or not in terms of these different types of reactions. And so as GI docs, as allergists, we share a lot of these patients together where True food allergy, when we talk about it, the mechanism is through an antibody called IgE, and that can cause a potentially serious life-threatening reaction called anaphylaxis. That's very different than food intolerance, which is a problem with digestion, with breaking down that food, cause a lot of upset stomach, bloating, diarrhea, things like that. But the patients I try to figure out and do it carefully is those who could have generalized hives all over the body, swelling vomiting, a combination of these symptoms, or even potentially passing out and having a life-threatening reaction. And that's not really easy to do because the testing that we have, that skin testing that Kaveh was talking about, it's not wholly reliable by itself. And so what we're learning is that a lot of folks in primary care are asked to do allergy tests. And if they do a whole panel of it, or you see uh, in mainstream media, hey, buy this specific home test for food allergies, none of that is really reliable and in fact is more harmful than good. So while about 5% of the population has true food allergy that's potentially harmful, there's a lot of people that end up getting misdiagnosed or overdiagnosed with food allergy and having to carry an EpiPen and worry about whether they're eating something and potentially having a life-threatening reaction. The only way to really know if you have a food allergy is if you eat it in front of a doctor and see within a few minutes to a couple of hours, do they actually react? And that's a risky business to play. So that's why primary care is not really equipped to do that and is in the wheelhouse of allergists like myself. So you're talking about the skin testing for food allergies. I've also seen blood testing for food allergies. Is, there, is that any better or is it just as bad? Uh, they're both difficult to interpret. So the skin test basically tells us, is there a potential for a reaction to happen? The blood test measures specific IgE antibody that could bind to a particular food. 
And that could give us a level of risk for that reaction. But if you don't have a history of having some type of clinical reactivity to it that makes sense within that what we call type one hypersensitivity reaction, it's mostly meaningless. Yeah. Because you really need that story to match up with it to increase the probability that a reaction could occur. Again, you really need somebody to eat it in front of you to really know if someone's allergic to it. And that translates too to drug allergies as well, which is a whole other topic to talk about. So I just redid all of my skin uh, scratch test panels at the beginning of the year, like after 10 years, just to just redid it because I was getting hives like no other. And it's just so random, the things that, that I'm allergic Well, obviously I'm allergic to everything outside, like just, I can't go there. Um, but like, I'm like, I can't do that, it. That exotic place outside yeah, in a bubble. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like if I go near an olive tree, I'm done for, but, um, <laughs> deathly allergic. That's the number one thing I'm allergic to is olive trees. Never even heard Are of you that. Allergic to olives themselves? No, like, that's one of the things the I'm not just the tree. Huh. Um, but I just redid the, the, and, and I did it for food and it's all over the place with the types of foods that I'm allergic to. Is there any type of rhyme or reason? Or is like, are people like normally like allergic to like a specific food group, or is it? Because I'm I'm telling you, it's like the English walnut, uh, uh, raspberries, onions, thyme, super super all over so, the place. Again, that all goes down. That all goes to your story. You know, did mm-hmm. you have a history of? I had raspberry and then this happened, right? We need to have that story to figure out what that is because often one of the most common forms of an adverse reaction to food is something called oral allergy syndrome. And what that essentially is, is if you have pollen allergy, when you're allergic to tree pollen, specifically like birch is the biggest culprit that I see, the protein in that pollen is very similar to protein found in fresh fruits vegetables and even nuts so if you eat it and it's fresh you'll get an intense itch sometimes even a burning sensation that's in your mouth but it doesn't cause a life-threatening reaction because that protein's easily degradable Um, if you cook it for example like if you are itchy to apples and you have apple pie no problem you shouldn't have any symptoms because Mm. the heat cooks off that protein it doesn't cause an issue and the food allergy testing is not really reliable to show that. It's better to get that story and then show, oh, skin test shows you're positive to birch tree pollen. You have oral allergy. You do not need to take an EpiPen with you. And maybe you should consider allergy immunotherapy, the proverbial allergy shots, to try to desensitize and dampen your immune system from becoming reactive to those things. I feel like what you're saying, and you you can correct me. Do you go by, do you go by Zachary or Zach? By the way, sorry. Either way, doesn't okay. matter. Okay, we're trying to call everyone first name just to unify it. But um, of course. But just I think what you're saying, Zach, is that um, and what happens in GI in our field and uh, and a lot of medicine is that it's like a clinical diagnosis, right? And that's that's something for our listeners and patients and doctors to listen to. Like, there's no one thing that's going to diagnose you. There's often not one thing that's going to cure you. But what we say when we mean like a clinical diagnosis or um, is really that we're putting several pieces of a puzzle together, like the lab test, or in this case, a skin test maybe, and more importantly, your symptoms. You know, and in GI, sometimes we add in a colonoscopy result or a CAT scan result or something like that. And it's not this one thing says you have that, it's these four tests that we've done 
that suggest you have that, right? So it's not medicine in life is not black and white. There's so many shades of gray and we're just trying to push ourselves towards the black or the white. Um, but when, when we really have to work with is a lot of gray. So I think that's what allergies and a lot of GI symptoms are probably like. Yeah, I was going to add to that because a lot of folks who I treat want to know what's going on with my body. Right. And oftentimes when people are experiencing itching or hives or swelling for whatever reason, they want to know the exact trigger. Right. And that becomes very challenging to be able to tease out what is the exact cause and can create a lot of anxiety and stress on people. Right. And unfortunately, it's very difficult to find the needle in the haystack. So what I try to tell folks is this. I know the cell in the body that's causing most of your problems. It's that nasty mass cell. That cell is just releasing histamine and causing havoc and causing discomfort and causing a lot of stress. And we know potential triggers for it. And some of that we may be able to test, but I don't always know what's causing that. But fortunately, we have treatment for a lot of these things now. So we can at least make people feel better in that standpoint. So in that regards, here's a, a follow-up question for that. So if someone is taking, you know, say Flonase and Zyrtec right now for their allergies, say Sophie has like her, that regimen right now, how does that always mean that invariably it's going to get worse to the point where eventually shots are going to be necessary or do people quote unquote grow out of it? How does it work? And is there any rhyme and reason to that? So there is a phenomenon called nasal priming where if you're exposed to that same allergen, at a smaller dose, you could have a worsening effect to it. So over time, you may have worsened allergies as the years go on. The biggest problem is climate change, actually. So as the temperatures are rising throughout the world and the wind patterns are changing and things are getting drier and CO2 levels are rising, I mean, we've got more plant food with the CO2 and the longer time we're above freezing, so plants are growing, more pollen's being produced. And then the next season, there's more pollen out. So that's why every year you hear people saying, oh, my allergies are worse and worse and worse. So there's that element that's going to continually get worse. But as we age, our reactivity to a lot of these things do go away. But that's not generally until our 50s, 60s, 70s. But then what creeps up is a lot of folks get something called non-allergic rhinitis, where they get similar symptoms, maybe less itch, but they still get a lot of runny nose, stuffy nose, post-nasal drip. And those things kind of overlap, and that's not treatable with allergy shots. So it's this continuum that can still progress throughout life, and allergy shots can help dampen that over time. Um, so it, it, it's something that will continually be an issue for a lot of folks without mm -hmm. allergy shots. When I was a kid, I was super allergic to like chlorine. Like I couldn't, couldn't hang it. I couldn't go to pool parties. I had to sit on the side. I was, I was the weird kid sitting on the side because. I would, oh. I, very, oh. very, very pathetic when you think about it, oh. but I'm, but I don't have that problem anymore. Did I age out of that? Probably. I mean, there's a lot of things in the environment that are not necessarily allergies. We call it allergy sure. where the immune system's overreactive to something in our environment, but there's a lot of irritants where they're just directly causing damage. Right. And for whatever reason, we just have an ability to just deal with that and our body can cope with that better. And that's, it's hard to explain because there's not really a lot of studies looking into those uh, phenomenon and we just lump it into allergy. But 
in terms of treatment, it's very different depending on what we're talking about. So maybe for you is skin issues or, or was breathing issues. Yeah, it's hard. I, I don't know your story. Yeah, it was high, hives and, and then I then the, the throat closing and just just the coolest kid in middle school. <laughs> so cool. Kind of Had so many brutal. friends. Did you have a you know? did you have an external like braces, like a mouth guard, my mouth gear, face gear, oh, okay, head my, gear? My head gear. Oh head man, gear. I, I, I did not, but oh. I, I definitely acted like I did. <laughs> so, so Zach, tell us, um, you know, you keep, you were mentioning like climate change and more pollen in the air. So what is the traditional, I guess, American allergy season? Um, like what's the time frame? Um, and you know, what do you generally recommend to people who have, I guess, moderate to severe allergies? Um, Miles, you probably right. don't make many recommendations. And then on top of that, oh, this is like a 10 part question. Uh, Allegra, Zyrtec, Claritin. These are like the, this is what my. Zizel, I take Zizel. <laughs> or sorry, or Zizel. My, uh, my, now, my now fiance has, that's his question. Allegra versus Claritin versus Zyrtec versus. You just whatever. broke you're, you're engaged, by the way. That's the first I know, time you guys, so. you guys. Congratulations. Yeah, congratulations. Yay. Thank you. I was going to bury it. Cave, by the way, I forgot to tell you. Yeah, no, I figured married. it was going to happen sooner yeah. or later. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you might, awesome. I'm not That's sure awesome. if you're invited. No, sorry. Oh, so go back. Well, um, so, allergy so, season, what do you recommend to your patients? And do you have like a go-to over-the-counter allergy medication or is there a difference? Can I add right, a part? Right. Can I add a part two to that question? This is a twenty-part question. Yeah, flow I, I need days. to write down a menu a order of questions. Here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously. All right. Flow so, yeah, versus, so so she so so Lizzie said the Zizel, Claritin, Allegra, Zyrtec. Can I add in also the Flonase versus Nasacort? Also, oh, those that's, two. That's a bait. These companies yeah. are all going to be calling me later and saying, "What do you?" I know who, who, who pays you the most. Um, is our yeah, real exactly. question. Who does? <laughs> yeah. So, so this is what I recommend to folks. Let's just blanket statement: you're allergic to pollen. There's three main types: trees, grasses, and weeds. And in the country, it kind of depends on where you live, but in general, most pollen starts to come up around March, April with the trees first. And then when we get into the summertime, the grasses come up, there's some overlap between the trees and grasses. And then late summer into fall, you have your weed pollen. So let's just say you know that during that time, it's really bad. You really should take a nasal spray like a Flonase or a Nasacort. I consider them Coke and Pepsi. doesn't really matter. You just stick with one and go with it. Who's Coke? Uh, who's Coke? <laughs> Sophie likes Coke better. No comment. No yeah. comment. Um, so... So I tell folks, I say, hey, Valentine's Day is a date with your nose, baby. You're going to start on Valentine's Day because it takes one <laughs> to two weeks for that you're, spray you're to adorable, work. Zach. <laughs> I got my bow tie on, you know, for today. No, folks can't see that, but you know. Yeah, no, Look, they've seen your picture. We'll show you the new picture. You have to start your nasal spray one to two weeks before the pollen season to get the best effect because nasal sprays contain a tiny, tiny amount of steroid that takes time to work. Mm -hmm. So people who think that it is just an as needed treatment it really doesn't work that way for most people. It, it could, but that's not what I generally recommend. And then you're asking about the different antihistamines. It's the same thing with Nasacort Flonase argument. No one has any head to head studies. You're not going to get these companies testing one versus the other. So just stick with one. Um, you know, I'm not going to say which one I particularly recommend because really it just, it just is a matter of 
you try it and see if that works for you. Everybody responds a little bit differently. Um, the level of sedation associated with these antihistamines are a little bit different depending on which one and everybody's a little bit sensitive. So you have to play around with it. I think the issue also, unfortunately, in American healthcare is that your insurance company might cover one more friendly than the other. So that's something that everyone's going to need to factor in. So you shouldn't give like your favorite because people might not be able to access it like um, affordably, you know? Right. Exactly. What about the like D's of the world, the Zyrtec D, the Claritin D? What What about those? The speaking D's of hard, hard, speaking of hard to get, it was like the yeah. only thing when the pandemic started that I couldn't get delivered is this the Claritin right. D. It's, it's slightly a you know semi-controlled substance, yeah. So the yeah. decongestants, I know a lot of folks feel like oh, I feel so much better after using it. The problem is, is that they can theoretically raise your blood pressure if you're using it for a while. And yeah. then if you're using it chronically, you could develop a condition called, and this is the fancy term, rhinitis medicamentosa, which I mean, is essentially when you, when, you, <laughs> when you come off of that medicine, you can get a rebound effect where your nasal congestion can get severely worsened uh, in that situation. And I've seen folks yeah. who experience that and it's really hard to treat. Yeah, my mom takes the Claritin D and I tried to, it, I, I had a conversation with my allergist and I was like, why, why would she prefer that over something else? Because at the time I was taking, I believe just regular Zyrtec. I take Zizel now. I've had a lot of success with Zizel. Um, not a sponsor. Not no, a sponsor. I mean, you've said, you've said it eight times. So it you're going to get it, it. It works for me, which is yeah. great. I don't I've know, never, it would, but it did, but, but it didn't work for my mom. I yeah. tried to switch her to it and she missed, she missed her Claritin D so much. But yeah, I, I, I've tried to have the, exactly the same conversation I had with my allergist where he said the exact same thing you just did. I tried to explain it to her and she stopped using it. And she was like, oh, the Zizel doesn't work for me. It's like, no, no, no. This is, this is just an after effect from the Claritin D, most likely. Right. And, and yes, you're bringing maybe. up a great point, which is, you know your body better than you know, yeah. most doctors do, right? Like you need, you, you, people need to tell us what works for them and what doesn't work for them. Because like I said earlier, I don't know which antihistamine is going to work well for you. You have to try it out. Sure. You know, we have several to choose from. So give it, give each one a shot. Uh, you uh, mentioned okay. birch earlier. Is that, is that the most common tree allergy? And what, what would you say is the most common plant or tree or, or food allergy in the U.S.? And is that something that's a moving target? Uh, it's a bit of a moving target in terms of region of the country. So to you know point at one mm. tree is not always the easiest thing to to say. Um, ragweed is all over the place though. Um, that causes a lot of issues. Uh, other allergens we think about dust mite is a big problem in homes as an indoor allergen. Uh, depending on where you live, uh, cockroaches can be a big problem, uh, and obviously animal dander, um, dogs and cats in particular. Um, and especially cats, because it's quite sticky. Um, so there's been some really crazy studies where they've sampled homes to look at cat allergens. And even in homes that don't have cats in them, um, it's estimated that about 30% of those homes still have detectable cat allergen, because if somebody owns a cat and they go into your house, they can deposit that allergen into the home. Hmm. And there's been studies looking at NASA space shuttles and sampling the dust from there, and they found cat allergens in space. <laughs> That's, That's awesome. so wild. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, all right, let me ask you uh, two questions here. The, the first question going back to the nasal steroids. Uh, 
long-term effects of nasal steroids? I mean, because, you know, when Lizzie and I talk about steroids, we are always very careful to try and keep people on them for a short period of time. They're oral steroids, systemically absorbed into your body, have a lot of risk. What about nasal steroids? I'm using one pretty much constantly. Should we be taking breaks? Should we be taking holidays, vacations from them? Or is it safe to stay on them pretty much nonstop? Right. So there are some theoretical risks that are associated with long-term intranasal steroid use. Uh, the, the number one issue is potentially uh, eye issues. You could get uh, increased intraocular pressure or glaucoma associated with it, but that's not very common. Um, I, I, I don't know anybody that's really experienced that personally, although you know, I'm, I'm a younger allergist, so I, I still have a lot of years to, to actually see that. There can be some nasal atrophy um, mm. potentially. Uh, so it's always best to try to use as least medicine as possible to get the most amount of benefits is what I always try to recommend folks. So if we don't have year-round allergies, we should take breaks when we can. Um, and if it's severe enough, we should consider allergy shots to reduce the amount of medicine use as much as possible. That's a, it's interesting because it's a very, it sounds like a similar conversation that Lizzie and I have with anti-acid medication patients, you know, um, things that we used to hand out like Tic Tacs that now we have to talk about all the risks with it. Right. Um, now, uh, a second uh, question I have for you is, do you think that the use of masks, have you noticed, at least anecdotally, that there's any improvement with people's allergies since wearing masks? Absolutely. Actually, there was a study done uh, last summer that showed in healthcare workers, their symptoms related to allergies decreased as they were using masks indoor and outdoors. Um, so I'm actually recommending my patients, especially those who have dust mite allergy, who have to vacuum the homes themselves, that the dust kicks up when you're vacuuming. If you're wearing a mask, that may decrease uh, some of those issues. So I think there is a big benefit for wearing masks for people with allergies. It's a, it's a bit of a filter. That's awesome to know that there's another reason why we should all be wearing masks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's good. Now this may do it. This may be the thing that yeah, gets we're, like, we're like, saves you from pollen. Okay. Like. All right, I'm in, I'm in, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, um, we have a ton of listener questions. Um, I don't think we're going to get to all of them, but before we do that, Sophie, do you have any other questions for Zach? Right. I, how, totally much, how much, how, how many of the questions are about Zyzo? Zero, zero <laughs> Zyzo questions. I'm just saying, because I'm we pretty sure. It. We hit it. Okay. The, okay. I mean, the, they're paying my rent, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so, so, okay, say you are me and you have a very, 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 very strange allergy to the allergic, just my allergic reaction is wa truly wild to spider bites. Like, like I can attest to this. Yes. I have seen a picture. It is ridiculous <laughs> what happens. Like my leg swells up to like this big and is hot and just red and just like a lump. Is there anything preventative that I can do besides clean to protect myself from that? Because when it happens, I'm like down for three days because I have to take Benadryl for several days for it to even like swell down. Right, right. yeah. Unfortunately, it's all a matter of avoiding the situation. Yeah. There are a lot of folks with insect bites, they get what's called a large local reaction, yeah. where again, that dang mast cell releases histamine in areas deeper in the tissue causing your blood vessels to open up and fluid just rushes out and tense out the entire area where that bite is. 
Um, you know, that's, that's the difference between hives and the swelling that you're yeah. experiencing is only where that histamine is acting. So if it's acting closer to the top of the skin, you get a hive. Yeah. If it's deeper down, the whole area just swells with the, the fluid rushing out. That's pretty bad. I, uh, as she, <laughs> no joke. Actually, it's like legitimately like, I don't know, maybe you need to go to the hospital for that. That is mm-hmm. not pretty. The, the, yeah, one of the first times it happened as like an adult, I, it was when I, I, I work for iHeartRadio and I was in the recording studio. I, do, I was like, oh, it's fine. I get allergic to things all the time. And then by, and then anytime anybody would see, they'd be like, can I take you to the hospital? Are you okay? <laughs> and it, but it did get by middle of the day. Cause it was, I'll find a picture. Cause it's that, it's that epic, but um, yeah, I'd love to see it. It's fantastic. <laughs> I, I will search for it when it's we're going. Fantastic. I mean, it's one of the most ridiculous things ever. You are so oh. enthusiastic about your allergy issues. I love it. I and mean, there's I a do cat. Like it on a daily. There's a, cat there's a the dog. Dog. Oh, dog. sorry, sorry, sorry. Better. Dog, Anderson. dog, dog. Yeah, it's Anderson, and she she actually uh, is pretty pretty. Most people who are allergic to dogs are actually not allergic to her. What kind and of dog is it? I mean, she's a rescue, but I'm but so I'm not 100 percent sure. But they think she's a corgi Australian Shepherd mix. So doesn't it make it like for dogs? Isn't the thing if they have like hair as opposed to fur? Is that correct? Yeah. Like hair, yeah. not allergies. Fur allergies. So what what are like the I know poodles have hair not fur right is that correct zach disagrees zach is is, is disagreeing no no the pet industry is selling you that there's no such thing as a hypoallergenic dog okay but the allergens also come from saliva from urine and from skin cells so you can't really change that Um, but different dogs produce different amounts of allergens so if i have a family coming in saying they want to adopt a dog and they're not sure about it I tell them get do a trial run, see for you know for a little bit of time, about a week or two, how do they do with that particular dog? You have to individualize it that way, and it's not necessarily the breed or if they're called hypoallergenic or, or not. Okay, that's great. That is actually that's that is very helpful. Um, okay, uh, hold on a second. So listen, we're gonna do more listening the, questions. Hold on a second, Sophie. Before we get to the listener questions, just the listeners can hear us as we download this file that Sophie just sent us, which I'm assuming is going to be a picture of a dog. Of it, it is no, it's uh, a picture of my one of my giant spider bites. I don't think I should look at it. Uh, Why not? Taking a look. Well, I just snacked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I see. You're I mean, the only snack, thing you worry about too is whether or not that there's cellulitis there. You know, that is yes. awesome. It, yeah, I mean, it, is inc- it is incredible. I mean, I went to my I went to my allergist when this happened. Obviously. What did they the first, say? They Dear were like, God, what yeah. is that thing? They're like, well, did you catch the spider? And I'm like, absolutely not. <laughs> they wanted to test the spider. Well, they wanted to see if it was if it was a specific type of spider. Some of those kinds of reactions are more are more normal. Um, right. Poison. Well, that does look nasty. Did you take antibiotics? Took antibiotics. Uh, took Benadryl. Lots of uh, uh, cortisone cream. Yeah, all that good stuff. And then that, it's happened on my arm too before. And oh, I think man. you do you remember that? Do you, I yeah. think I sent you that too? Yeah. yeah. It was like yeah. I had I had one arm for like a week. That's brutal, man. I'm sorry. Um, all right. Okay. Let's do some listener questions. A lot of these questions are about mullets, which is a joke about my <laughs> mullet, which I no longer have, but you know, I kind of miss. Well, the um, cure is you got to cut it. 
I had I had to cut it. Um, eventually, it had to happen. So let's go through one of them. The first one is from Bike Rider at Med Device NG. Um, what are the long term effects of daily use of Sudafed? Mm-hmm. Yeah, blood pressure is the biggest issue. So you you can get hypertension from it, and then also develop that rhinitis medicamentosa. That mm-hmm. rebound effect when you stop it and you can get worsening of your nasal congestion if you take it for too long. Well, that's the D and Claritin D and like Afrin, right? I feel like those are the things that right. uh, they're people all use. stimulants. Yeah. Yeah. All those oh. stimulants are, are not good for long-term use. All right. Uh, here's another one from Tyler Black, uh, MD. He is a uh, psychiatrist we've had on the show before at Tyler Black 32. Can you ask him to finally and once forever declare that it is impossible to colloquially, uh, to be colloquially allergic to MSG? If you were allergic to either sodium or glutamate, it would be big problems. What do you have to say to that? Can you actually interpret that question first? Um, Basically saying, is MSG allergy a real thing or not? So again, it's not a true allergy. Allergy meaning IgE antibody mediated that can cause a severe life-threatening reaction. But you can have problems processing it and have GI distress from MSG. So that's the difference. So it's a matter of, of a definition and terminology. So to put this to bed, I think allergy is a term that's misused with a lot of foods. And MSG is one in particular. An allergy is referring to an IgE-mediated type reaction that is severe and potentially life-threatening. Folks who have adverse reactions to MSG can have upset stomach, bloating, diarrhea, and that's not an immune-mediated process. That's a problem with digestion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have a sort of follow-up question when people ask about like allergies that you you probably know is not IgE-mediated, but you know, we've been talking a lot about antihistamines, kind of stabilizing that mast cell is the guy who's always the problem with allergies. So the most common antihistamine that people in the world have heard of or I've is Benadryl. I knew that before I went to med school, you know, and it's very sedating. Like people get so drowsy and sleepy, but I have patients who tell me that they're allergic to Benadryl. Is, is that possible? I feel like it can't be, but I don't, I don't actually know. Yeah, so it is theoretically possible in some cases, but that's very rare. Most of the time, it's more of an adverse reaction because as we're taught in medical school, there's different types of adverse reactions. The gel Coombs classification, one through four, you know, those things that we had to memorize. Um, So it's not necessarily going to be a true allergy in most cases. A lot of times it's an adverse reaction. And a lot of times people are, are complaining of, nausea, upset stomach, or sedation. Um, Because what people don't remember is histamine is really important to keep you awake. And so these antihistamines like Benadryl stop that histamine from acting. That's why we get tired. But the newer drugs, they don't cross the blood-brain barrier as easily and they don't get you as sedated. Okay, very cool. Um, Here is one from Dr. Grizzled Veteran Dad from Twitter at O-Rhinosaur. I'd like to hear their take on oral immunotherapy, graded exposure to food allergens. It was pretty controversial about five years ago, mainly done in Europe, but I hear it's gaining steam here now. So oral immunotherapy, or OIT for short, 
is a way to help trick the body's immune system to be less reactive to food allergens if there's an accidental ingestion with the overall goal to prevent severe, potentially life-threatening reactions. Um, OIT in the form of peanut has been recently approved by the FDA in the form of a, a drug called palforzia, which is a process over time of taking daily, slowly incremental doses so that folks with a severe peanut allergy can uh, prevent effectively anaphylaxis. It's not a cure by any means, but for folks who have had many rounds of anaphylaxis or have had a lot of anxiety towards food allergy, it is a good option to have. Um, and there's a lot of other foods that are being used for this right now in, in more experimental purposes. And I think it does have its place in treating food allergies uh, for a lot of individuals. All right. We got so many questions. I think we might have to end with a, just maybe two more. Here's one from Jen Gunter at Dr. Jen Gunter. Any tips for telling people it's allergies, not COVID? Because my eyes are leaking and I'm sneezing up a storm and getting looks, which brings us to a really good point, which is, are you constantly telling people, are you trying to like differentiate COVID from allergies? And if so, how do you recommend doing that? That's nearly impossible, to be honest. I, I hate to get people's hopes up, but there's so many symptoms that are similar that, you know, if you have fever, it's most likely COVID. You don't get fever with allergies. Um, the one thing that may help is if there's an isolated itch. It's not really associated with COVID. But outside of that, if you're having a runny, stuffy nose and cough, you can't rule out COVID without a test. And so I get a lot of families expecting a letter saying it's not COVID. And, and it's like, I need a test to really confirm yeah. that because a lot of times it is, and especially in children who I treat a lot, their symptoms are typically mild. So it's really hard. The only other issue is sometimes allergies can be associated with a decreased sense of smell. And so if you have a point where your smell just completely goes, it's more likely to be COVID than if you've just had a mild decrease in it, but that's really hard to differentiate. So I, I wouldn't reliably without a test, you know, just say, eh, yeah. it's yeah. allergies. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Okay, last question. This is from Rachel Alter at Rachel Alter. Um, sometimes when I run, I get really itchy. Mast cell degranulation, BC because vasodilation, which let's just translate that a little bit. I have heard of people itching when they sweat or they, they exercise. What is the mechanism behind that? That's most likely when you exercise, the heat kind of increases your immune activation leading to mast cell degranulation and you get a mild histamine release with that. Mm. Um, in severe cases that can lead to chronic hives and the fancy term for that is called cholinergic urticaria. So that, that is something that happens fairly commonly. Um, you know, hives in general can be chronic for about 1% of the population in the United States. So upwards of about 3 million people deal with this on a chronic basis more than six weeks long. So it can be really, really annoying. Right. I don't get it because I don't exercise, but I imagine it's horrible. Um, but you do sweat all the time. So like I you think sweat that a would... lot. I sweat when I eat. Is that normal, Doc? Um, okay. So no comment. Thank you so much. This has been really helpful. And there's so many more questions that people have, but I, I can't keep you all night. Please tell us where people can find you, Dr. Rubin. 
Yeah, so I'm on Twitter at Ruben underscore allergy. That's R-U-B-I-N underscore allergy. Um, I'm happy to answer questions whenever I can because allergies are really confusing. And while I know a lot, I also don't know a lot. And I'm happy to tell people what I know and don't know and uh, kind of clear up the confusion along the way. So I really appreciate y'all having me today. And thank you so much. Oh man, you rock. That was great. Um, and Sophie, what plugs do you have for us? You always ask me for plugs. Now I get to ask you, what plugs do you have for us? Uh, I mean, I produce about 20 something shows for iHeartRadio, but I'll pick a, I'll pick, I'll pick three for now. Uh, Listen to Lolita podcast, which is hosted by Jamie Loftus. Amazing. Listen to Behind the Bastards, which is one of my biggest shows hosted by Robert Evans. Also amazing. And listen to Hood Politics, hosted by Propaganda. Gonna have to check that one out. And I'm at Y underscore Sophie underscore Y on Twitter. I post pants, puppies, and podcasts. She posts a lot about her adorable dog, Anderson. And I'm not technically a dog person, but it's one of two dogs I enjoy. The other dog is Lizzie's dog. Is he there? Can you show her? Lizzie, are you holding a dog for me? I need to see this dog. Bring, is bring the she dog there? On. You've known her for yeah. like nine years. You said, is he there? Yeah. Is she. Dogs are boys, cats dogs are girls. Are- that's, yeah. That's oh, how it okay. Is. Did you get that from Robert Evans? That's, Robert literally says the same thing. He calls yeah. Anderson a boy all the time, and she's one hundred percent a girl. Yeah. I really feel like that's true. I'm gonna have yeah. a hard time getting past that. No, Chloe's um, been on our. We've posted about her. She's looks just like Anderson. She's also she's like dark and small, so Kave yeah. just assumes she's like a little boy. I have no idea why. She's just uh, adorable. Kave loves adorable. her. She's yeah. adorable. I do. All right. Thank you, guys. This is fantastic. We really sh- appreciate you guys coming on. We should post photos of Anderson Glowy and your ginormous spider bite and maybe a spider uh, for this podcast. To I, have, I have posted that photo on the internet, so go ahead. I'll post my pet spider. Yeah. yeah. Thank you guys so much for coming on. Thanks for Thank you. This podcast is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult a physician or other qualified health care provider for your specific health care needs or concerns. The opinions expressed on this podcast do not represent the opinions of our employees. Details in the podcast have been changed so that patient identification is not possible. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.